when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. And now, your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. It is that time of the week again. Welcome to Just Pod, baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. The Raiders, it was an ugly loss last week in Los Angeles. 3-1 and one they sit at right now, and they're looking to get things back on track here at home in Allegiant Stadium in Week 5 versus the Chicago Bears. Now, Just Pod Baby is brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at VegasSportsToday. Also, follow me on Twitter, egroat 5 if you don't already. And I've got to tell you guys, if you don't, if you have not been over to VegasSportsToday.com yet, uh, you need to do it. Uh, in addition to all the great Raiders coverage that you get from the website, there's many other great things over there. If you're into Golden Knights hockey, I know the hockey season is just around the corner. You've got MMA, boxing. I'm a fan of boxing myself. There's a big heavyweight bout coming up this weekend, the trilogy fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. We've got you covered on all the different fronts, so so get over uh, to that website right now. Now, the Raiders, they welcome in the Chicago Bears on Sunday. They will be facing rookie quarterback Justin Fields at quarterback. The Chicago defense is very good. They've got a guy over there, Khalil Mack. You might know who he is. Uh, great pass rush. They can get home, and and, and um, it's the revenge game, right? I mentioned Khalil Mack. It is the Khalil Mack revenge game part two. He was quiet in the 2019 game over in London. He was a non-factor. Uh, I'm sure he really wants to make his presence felt in this one. We will be joined by Jeff Dickerson in segment number two. Jeff covers the Bears for ESPN NFL Nation, and I'm excited to to have him on this week uh, with me to preview the game and, and get some of his insight into the Bears. But this week, we do begin uh, with some of my brief thoughts on last week's game and the fallout from it, and there's a lot of it. Uh, there were some injuries that occurred. Uh, we'll get to that more so in segment two. Uh, and then the offensive line, that has been a big discussion point as well this week. You know, it was an ugly game. Uh, there's no way around it. The offense could not get a thing going in the first half of the game. Seven possessions, five punts, one of those possessions ended in a turnover on downs, and then the final possession of the first half, they received the ball with only 24 seconds left on the clock, and they ran two plays, and that was that was it. Um they ran only 24 plays the entire half. Think about that. I mean, we, we've seen the Raiders go on 12, 13, 14 play drives in these first uh, couple of games. And, and the fact that they only ran 24 plays the entire half tells you they were just not able to establish anything. That does include four three and outs. And I don't have the exact number uh, of total yards, but I, I think it was close to like 49 yards of total offense in the first half, it was pitiful, and a big part of the issue 
with the offense and their struggles was the offensive line. Uh, I will expand on some of that in just a moment. The defense, however, they did everything they could in that first half um, to, to keep the team in the game. Uh, they did give up the touchdown to uh, the Chargers on the opening drive of the game, but I thought they did more than enough following that opening possession and to give the offensive chance. And and I I don't uh, I do have the um I do have the drive summaries here in front of me uh, from the game following the touchdown in the opening drive of the game. The Raiders defense held the Chargers to three three and outs and a series of five plays that resulted in a turnover on downs. So so that was the next four possessions uh, for, for Los Angeles' offense. Now, unfortunately, um, as I said, the offense was not able to, to uh, take advantage of some of those opportunities that they were given. And then the Chargers were able to tack on two more touchdowns to end the half with a 21 to nothing lead. But the blame absolutely goes to the offense on this one. I've praised them plenty uh, in the first three games um, on here on the podcast. They've been getting a lot of praise in the national media, but there's no escaping it um, after that start to the game that they had. Now, they did come back in the second half, and they showed some fight. Uh, they took the ball right down the field and, and scored immediately to begin the third quarter. Um, I'm sure you guys were all feeling good about that. I know I was. I thought, okay, here we go. Something, get a little something going here. The defense con- continued to do their job by forcing uh, another punt. The offense was able to cash in on that by putting up another score to make it 21-14. The big play on that drive was the 45-yard pass interference penalty um, that was called on Asante Samuels Jr. That really got him into position. Uh, and, and then following another punt by the Chargers, uh, you had the Raiders take over, and, and then you know they were able to, to drive down the field, um, and they attempted the 52-yard field goal by Daniel Carlson, which... He did miss. Um, he's been great this year, so you, don't, you can't get on him too much. That would have made the game 21-17 at that point, uh, you know, with with a serious momentum shift. And uh, but but the turning point really what was that missed field goal? In my opinion, it kind of stalled the momentum that they had built to that point. We thought, here we go. We're, you know, the Raiders are in business now. Uh, they got things clicking, but the missed field goal kind of took some sail, uh, some wind out of their sail. And, and then you know the Chargers added a fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, on that 10-play, 58-yard drive, Austin Eckler took it in from 11 yards out, and that and that was your ball game, really, at, at 28-14. And, you know, I said it on Twitter earlier in the week, the Chargers are a darn good team. You know, I, I wasn't quite sure how good they were. Uh, I did watch some of the, 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 the uh, game versus the Chiefs, um, and I've seen, you know, some some highlights here and there. Uh, but they're, they're a great team. They got a good offense. They got a lot of weapons. Uh, on offense, uh, they protect the quarterback pretty well, uh, and their defense can can get it done as well. Um, as long as they stay healthy, I believe they should be in the mix all year long. And there's no shame, there's no shame in losing to a good team. Um, at the same time, though, um, there were some major red flags that were uh, that that were apparent uh, with that Raiders loss. Some some things that I think maybe have had been getting kind of swept under the carpet, as they say, were exposed and. They were things that we were seeing in the previous three games, but because of the winning, you, you weren't really hearing about it as much, but now we are. And, and and because we have seen this happen now three, four times, you can call them trends. And and that all starts, the first trend I want to talk about um, is the slow starts, uh, leading, you know, having to play from behind early in these games. They were down 14 nothing to both Baltimore and Miami. 
which were there, both able to win both of those games, as you know. And then 21 nothing to the Chargers, and it's it's a big concern. Um, some of you may disagree with this, but I think the Raiders are lucky to be 3-1 and one right now with the way that they have been playing with fire. Really, realistically, I, I, I could see them, you know, 2-2. Two and, two. Um, and, and You know, it really doesn't matter at this point because they're 3-1. and one. But um, when you play with fire, you're, you're eventually going to get burnt. And, um, you know, I'm assuming that this has to be a major point of, of emphasis all week long with John Gruden and his coaching staff at practice. You would have to imagine that they're going to come out this week and show some major improvements in that area and going forward. So I do hope that we see that. And I think in the case of last week's games, last week's game in particular, Gruden really wanted to get the run game going. It's been a, it's been a kind of a struggle. Uh, they did, uh, they were able to get Peyton Barber going. Uh, you know, he had that hundred yard game, but you know, really the the run game has has been less than stellar in in the, um, the first three games of the season. And I think Gruden really was hyper focused on getting the run game going. Uh, against the Chargers defense, who had been really giving up a lot of yards in that department, um, they were the league's worst run defense. And and looking back on it, they they were able to shut the run down. They they were not able to get much going. I think it was forty eight yards total, is what they had on the ground. Or maybe Josh Jacobs had forty eight yards total. But the run game uh, wasn't a factor in the game. And, and in hindsight, maybe should have been a little bit more aggressive early in the game. Look to take some shots early in the game. And even utilize the short passing game to Kenyon Drake and get Henry Ruggs involved with some short passes, see what he can do in the open field as kind of an extension to the run game. But, you know, we did not see that. And then the next red flag is the offensive line play. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, I told you so. I told you this offensive line was going to be a problem. Well, you know, I'm not going to do that because I'm sure many of you out there listening agreed with me and, you know, we kind of saw this as uh, a, a possible liability for the offense and for this team, and I, I think at least for now, that that is the case. That's what we're seeing. This this team is 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 as good as they they have been on offense. They're still being held back by the poor play of the offensive line, and as I said at the beginning, I think it was masked uh, by the, the job that Derek Carr has done. Really, they kind of despite the poor play of the offensive line is he was able to overcome that and still do some great things. And, and, but now that there's a loss we're of course we're talking about it more. Um, and I'm sure that you, you saw the grades this week, uh, that were, you know, everyone's posting on, on social media of the pro football focus grades, uh, which I, I'll admit it, that's only one way to look at it. That's only one way to measure player performance, but there is definitely some value in that. Here they are Colton Miller he graded out with a 72.1. That's 16th out of a seven, uh, possible 73 left tackles. John Simpson graded out at a 46.8. That ranked him 67th among 75 uh, left guards. Andre James, 38.8. He ranked dead last of all centers in the league, 33 out of 33. J- Jermaine uh, Illuminor, 57.9. That's 48th out of 75. And Alex Leatherwood graded out grades out at a 31.1, which is also dead last for all the qualifying right tackles in the NFL. So you can take what you want from those PFF grades, but what I like to do is something called the eye test. Do they pass the eye test? I watch these games. You guys out there listening, you watch these games, 
and it, it's it's plain as as it's plain and simple. This this group is not getting it done. Period. And I thought Tom Cable, based on what we have seen him uh, do with in previous years with with uh, you know mixing and matching and, and and shuffling and and you know players who were injured in and out, he was able to 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 get it done to get the best. Um, out of his offensive lines. And I thought we might be able to see him do that again. Um, but, but we're just not seeing it happen right now. And I'm not blaming cable at all. That that's, that's not at all the problem. It's just, this group's not very good. They're just not all that talented. Um, they've got two backups starting at guard right now. I don't think that was part of the plan. Um, you, you can't, you can't, um, injuries are totally out of, you know, anyone's control, but, we we did know there was definitely um, an issue with depth along the line based on what we had saw, what, what we had seen in preseason games. Uh, it just didn't look good. And, you know, the one area where you can point the finger is at the center position and, and right tackle. Those were self-inflicted. Uh, Gruden and Mayock felt comfortable enough in Andre James to move on from Rodney Hudson. And, and then not only that, but extend James. That's the thing that kind of really, I still don't understand before even taking a snap this year, they extend him. And and so unless that, unless James dramatically changes his play and, and improves dramatically, which I hope he does, you know, that's going to be a move that could really haunt Gruden um, and Mayock. And then you have Alex Leatherwood, and you know where he was selected was was very controversial. Also, there were a lot of questions about what position is he best fit for. Um, I went back and listened to my interview with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He is their draft expert. I've had him on a couple times now, and I had him on this year, uh, this past year, just before the draft. And I asked him specifically about Alex Leatherwood and you know, I really value Dane Brugler's opinion. He's one of those guys out there. You know, there's tons of so-called draft experts. I I always, I put Brugler near the top, if not the top. He's the guy that I go to for my draft information, and I really value his, his evaluation process. He thought Leatherwood would be best utilized at guard in the NFL, um, and he talked to me about how he, 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 has been speaking to a lot of NFL teams and it was kind of a 50, 50 split. So some teams saw him as a, um, as a guard and, and some teams saw him as a tackle. And, um, so, you know, again, that's, that's just some information that I, um, recall from my, my conversation with, with Dane Brugler. And, you know, since the game on Monday night, there has been some speculation, uh, that maybe there were some changes coming, maybe some, some, some shuffling of the deck, so to speak, along the offensive line. And we did get word Thursday at practice. The beat writers were notifying us that Alex Leatherwood was indeed getting some work at right guard, and it was Brandon Parker at right tackle. Now, a lot of people automatically assume this means the offensive line will be improved. And um, yes, I did just tell you that many in the scouting world felt that Elks Leatherwood was better suited to play guard. So you would think, okay, if that's maybe more of his natural position, if some believe that, uh, then then possibly he's better suited to play that position. He is a big, powerful, he's known as a road grader. So I, I think he would help in the run game, at least being moved inside. Um, but 
you know, he's still got to he's still got to prove it out there. We 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 you know he's been training all season long as as a tackle. Now they bump him into guard. You know, I don't know how easy of a transition that is. I, I obviously he played there in college, but you know, you keep moving guys around. He's a rookie as it is. He's got a lot on his plate as it is. You know, how will that transition go? to guard now. We need to see it on the field before we can just start making predictions about how how much of an improvement it'll be. And then you've got Brandon Parker as your every down right tackle. And I think there's some differing opinions out there of of Brandon Parker. Some may tell you, oh, I think he's been pretty good in, in spot starts uh, recently. I know he came in and played some versus the Steelers. Um, you know, I, I did see our, our good friend of the show, Marcus Johnson from Tape Don't Lie. He's been putting some stuff out there about Brandon Parker. He does not think he played well in that game. Uh, 13, I saw he put a tweet out in 22 snaps in that game. He had a pressure rate allowed of 13%. So didn't think he played great in that game. Marcus is another guy who I value his opinion as well. Um, so I don't know. You know can, can Brandon Parker be trusted as as the guy at right tackle week in and week out, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, but I do know one thing. There are not many options for this team right now. And, and so I'm okay with the decision to explore, uh, to tinker with things a bit here with the lineup. The team is obviously in a good position right now at 3-1. and one. It's not time to panic. But you know, I do think they need to be aggressive in trying to fix the issues, uh, or at least in the case of the offensive line, try to put a patch on it for now. And 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 the one last final thing I want to say here um, about the offensive line is, you know, it's not just with pass protection. And, and I think sometimes when people think about offensive line play, they tend to think more so about pass protection because. You know that gets highlighted a bit more, uh, more so than run blocking. I think. Uh, you know, are you protecting the quarterback? Is the quarterback getting sacked? The pressures, all those things. It kind of gets highlighted a bit more than I think, uh, than than in run blocking. And and you know the the pass protection has not been great. I looked it up today. Fifty one pressures have been allowed um, on Derek Carr, resulting in twelve sacks, and which is third most in the NFL. But the run blocking has probably been worse. I mean, it has been worse. 27th ranked offense right now in in rushing offense. And going back to the pro football focus grades for a moment, they are currently ranked as the worst run ba- uh, run blocking offensive line in football, according to PFF. 34.2 is the grade. So uh, that is just not getting it done. They got to get this thing fixed. Let's see. I don't know if they're going to be starting Leatherwood at right guard. Or, or 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 not? I don't know if that's just something they're kind of working on in practice. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, but I am going to step aside uh, right now for a quick, brief moment here. Going to get a break out of the way, and when I return, I want to begin to preview the Chicago Bears. We're going to chat with uh, our guest Jeff Dickerson from ESPN, and of course, we will go through the injury report. So don't go anywhere. This is Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. 
And welcome back, Raider Nation. This is Just Pod Baby. Glad to have you with me here again this week. If you are a first-time listener to the show and you like what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribing to the show. You don't want to miss out on a thing all season long. I put these new episodes out for you once a week. Usually Thursday night is when you get them. So subscribe to the show. Uh, you want to be a part of this. Um, let, let's now start to dissect the opponent this week, which is the Chicago Bears. The 2-2 two and two Chicago Bears wins against the Bengals and the Lions with the losses coming to the, the Rams and the Browns. Two good teams, Rams and Browns. Um, just some stats for you. Offensively, they ranked 32nd in total yards with 948 yards. Um, and, and think about that. Derek Carr nearly has uh, 1,400 yards passing by himself. So this offense does not generate a lot of production. Um through the air, they really struggle under only 114 yards per game. That ranks them last as well. Running ball is one of their strengths, ninth most most rushing yards in the NFL, but that part of their game took a big hit with the injury to David Montgomery. He was hurt last week against the Lions. He's going to be out four to five weeks. And, uh, you know, all of that adds up to a measly average of 16 points a game on offense. They just don't have a lot of... Uh, explosive plays. They don't have a lot of explosion on this offense. They've got a couple of good wide receivers. Um, and surprisingly, it's it's Darnell Mooney who leads the team in most of the major statistical categories when it comes to receiving. And it's it's not Allen Robinson, uh, but Mooney did top 100 yards receiving for the first time in his career last week. And he does have, he has some deep speed. He's, he has that ability to, to take the top off the defense. And uh, uh, he, I was watching the, the game from last week, watching some of the film, and you know he and Justin Fields did hook up on a big 64-yard uh, completion last week. And I, I mentioned Justin Fields. He did get the nod to be the starting quarterback the rest of the way here, going forward at least, uh, for the Bears. They selected him 12 overall, and you know with that injury to Andy Dalton, that kind of sped things up for, uh, for Fields. And I don't think anyone is surprised that it you know it, it's happened this early fields uh he was a big kid he's fast he's got a big arm he has all those traits that you're looking for but the question this week is without Montgomery there uh you know to lean on is fields ready to do enough on his own to overcome the Raiders defense and, and on top of that the other thought has to be how will the Bears offensive line hold up against the front four of the Raiders who have been very, very good as far as generating the pass rush and disrupting things for opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Bears quarterbacks have been sacked 16 times on the season. Andy Dalton was sacked four times before his injury, and and uh, Justin Fields has been sacked 12 times. Now, of course, that number is, is kind of, it, it seems big. He's only made two starts, but don't forget, he was sacked nine times against Cleveland. Um, but um, on the other side of the ball for the Bears, they're top 10 in points allowed, uh, 22 points a game. So they're very good on defense. Middle of the road, though, by league standards as far as um, as far as far stopping the run and uh, and the pass. They're 14th against the run and, and 15th uh, against the pass, which is, which is certainly respectable. But where this defense excels is in the pass rush. They lead the NFL in sacks. They have 16 sacks. They're led by Robert Quinn who leads the way for them with four and a half sacks, Khalil Mack with four, and Roquan Smith from the linebacker position, he, he chips in with two sacks. Um, you know, they don't blitz you a lot. They don't have a high percentage of blitz. Um, it's not like facing the Ravens in week one or, or the Dolphins in week three. 
this defense gets it done similar similarly to to the way Las Vegas does it, they're going to get after you with their front four. Um, and, and this is why I think the deciding factor in the game could be which offensive line is able to hold up better and protect their quarterback. Now what I want to do real quick before we bring in our guest is uh, let's take a look at the injury report. And we know that the Raiders had some guys who were hurt in the game last week. Some believed to be more serious than others. Damon Arnett, Derek Carrier, Peyton Barber, and uh, Trayvon Mullen all have not practiced yet. Uh, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday in practice. The good news, though, is Josh Jacobs seems to be responding well after uh, playing in the, in his first game in a couple weeks. He's practicing this week. Um Colton Miller is also listed on the report with a knee injury. He did get a full practice in on Thursday. Um, and, and then I see Yannick Ngakwe is listed as it did not participate on Thursday, but that is just um, a rest, a rest day it looks like. So, um, and you know, I know there was some concern about Casey Hayward as well. He did participate in practice on Friday. So uh, it does appear that possibly they'll be without Trayvon Mullen, um, Arnett as well. Um but I did see that Keyshawn Nix um, is back at practice, so possibly he could step in and, and fill a void if necessary. Then when you look at the Bears, uh, the big one for them, we know David Montgomery, he is going to be out for about a month here. They've got Khalil Mack, who's listed on the report, uh, did not participate in practice Wednesday and Thursday. Um, Darnell Mooney, they're, they're one of their big-time wide receivers, limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday with a groin injury. And the other real big one that I want to mention is Akeem Hicks, defensive tackle, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday with a with a groin injury. So, uh, you know, that would definitely be um, a, a big problem for the Bears if Hicks and Mack can't go because that is the strength of the Bears. But we'll just have to kind of keep an eye on that throughout the weekend and into game day on Sunday. But that is your report uh, for uh, week four, Raiders versus um Bears, uh, but what I want to do now is I want to go out to the phone lines and welcome in our guest this week, Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation, who covers the Chicago Bears, and also he's the host of Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio. Jeff, thanks so much for the time tonight, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. Oh, it's uh, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Yes, me too. It's, it's going to be a big game as the Raiders look to try to bounce back from from that loss uh, on Monday Night Football to the Chargers. And, and Jeff, you know, I was looking at the Bears a little bit. It's been an up and a, a bit of an up and down season for them. They're two and two right now, and this is a really important game for both teams. As I said, the Raiders want to get back on track, but also uh, the Bears because I look at that schedule of theirs. It's been a they got a tough four game stretch. Uh, coming up versus the Raiders, the Packers, the Bucks, and then the 49ers. That's a brutal four-game span right there. So how crucial is this game for Chicago to get this win? Oh, I think it's critical. I, I don't think that anyone would be out of line if they said that, you know, a month from now the Bears could be 2-6 and because, like you said, that schedule is really tough. It's a big game. I, I think the Bears need to prove that they can beat a good team. Now, the Bengals – are actually turning out to be a good team, and the Bears knocked them off in week two. But Cincinnati really played poorly. So, I mean, you give the Bears some credit for that, but, like, when it was really pressure-packed situations against the Rams in week one and then against the Browns a couple of weeks ago, the Bears really looked bad and really folded. I mean, they beat the Lions last week, but let's face it, those are the Lions, and, you know, the Lions are not the Raiders. and The Bears did a great job protecting Justin Fields but they weren't facing any sort of elite pass rushers that they're going to see on, on Sunday in Vegas. So, no, I agree. I think it's, I think it's a really critical game for the bears. 
you know, obviously with the news this week that Justin Fields is going to be the full-time starter moving forward, regardless of Andy Dalton's, you know, health status. Um, that was a, you know, kind of a, you know, big moment for the franchise. So it, it is a very big game. Um, we'll see if the Bears show up. Now, traditionally speaking, in these moments, the Bears don't play very well. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see maybe if they can if they can reverse that on Sunday. Who knows? Yeah, and you know, you just you just brought up Justin Fields. He was named the starter. Uh, for the Bears, and I think that was only a matter of time before he took over Andy Dalton. Of course, the injury to Dalton kind of expedited things for Fields, and I was watching the, the the film from last week against the Lions. The numbers don't won't blow you away, but I, I think Fields showed some of the, the traits that made him a first-round pick for the Bears. What have your impressions been of Fields You know, after his, his two starts? I thought last week he played with really good tempo and pace. I never felt that he was out of control. Like in Cleveland two weeks ago, it was like the train had come off the tracks and it was on fire and about to explode. I mean, that's how bad it was offensively. But I really thought that Fields was in, was in command. You know, like you said, the numbers weren't great. I think he had like, what, 17 pass attempts or something like that. But he hit on several big plays. The Bears had five plays of 20 or more yards. And that is for that offense, which never happened, that's a big accomplishment. That 64-yard pass he had to Darnell Mooney which was a strike down the field, uh, was real progress. He had Allen Robinson on this dagger route late in the, later in the game. That was just an unbelievable throw. So, look, Justin Fields is a rookie, and he's going to make a lot of rookie mistakes, and he did make a lot of mistakes the first couple of times he played, and last week wasn't perfect. But I think what he's showing you is he can bounce back after a bad performance, which is a trait that every good NFL quarterback has to have. He's got a big arm to make those downfield throws, and he can run. Now, he didn't run a lot last week, but I'm telling you, this weekend, without David Montgomery playing for the Bears, you're going to probably see Justin Fields running a lot more. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw eight, you know, as many as eight, uh, you know, called design quarterback runs because they got to find a way to move the ball on the ground. They can't be one-dimensional. Otherwise, Fields is going to sit back there like he did in Cleveland and get killed. Yeah, and you know, and that and that kind of is a perfect segue uh, into the next topic that I wanted to discuss with you, and that's you know the other big story this week with the Bears, and that is the loss of of David Montgomery, as you mentioned, and he was you know he was really off to a nice start to the season uh, prior to the injury. Um, that's going to keep him out for about a month, it looks like. And he really dominates the, the backfield from a, from a volume standpoint. He he's a true bell cow for them. Um, you you just mentioned that you expect. Uh, fields to, to maybe pick up some of the slack left behind the run game, but, but how else do they plan to, to fill that void uh, left behind w- without Montgomery? Good news is that Damian Williams, who's their backup, the veteran, former Kansas City Chief, you know, he suffered a quad injury late in that game against the Lions, but it looks like that's going to be okay. He's had full participation in practice the last two days uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, so um, he is in pretty good shape to play. They've got you know Khalil Herbert, who's a young guy, um, rookie out of Virginia Tech, who's been primarily only on kickoff return. You know, he's got some potential. Uh, they've got a couple of practice squad running backs, Ryan Dahl, Octavius Pierce. You know, who could really help him right now is Tariq Cohn, but he is still recovering from the torn ACL last year, and he is not a factor at this moment. So um, it's going to be hard. They don't have anyone that can do what David Montgomery can do. Damian Williams had a pretty good game against the Lions. He's a pretty good runner. But nothing like like what David Montgomery, I mean, he was running the ball so well. I don't know if you saw that nine-yard touchdown run he had against the Lions last week. He carried like three guys into the end zone with him. You know, he's motivated. He wants to get paid. Um, he does everything. So it's just, it's just a huge loss. 
And then, two, should mention Akeem Hicks is probably not going to play. He's their best defensive lineman. He's got a groin injury. He hurt himself the first defensive play against Detroit, and he was out of the game. You know, he, he's not practicing this week. So the Bears are going to be missing some serious parts uh, when they go to Vegas, and that does not spell uh, – that that's, that's not a very good development for them, put it that way. Jeff Dickerson of ESPN NFL Nation is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. I got one more that I wanted to ask you about about uh, the offense. You know, it looks like Justin Fields has has developed a nice little rapport with Darnell Mooney, who is leading yeah. the team in targets and receptions and yardage, and that comes as a little bit of a surprise to a you know a guy like myself who's not a fan of the Bears, you know, casual fan of all the teams. I'm obviously a Raiders fan, but you know when they got Allen Robinson there, uh, you know you expect him to be the lead guy. But what can you tell us about the emergence of Darnell Mooney? You know, Darnell Mooney had pretty good numbers as a rookie last year. He had like, like I think, 60-some-odd catches um, as a rookie. You know, he was a fifth-round pick out of two lanes. He's got great speed. And this is what I like about Darnell Mooney. He puts in a ton of work away from practice. He's the first guy out there every morning before practice starts, catching passes off the jugs machine, catching passes from a guy on the support staff. He's the first guy out there. You'll see him on Sunday on game day. Him and Khalil Mack are always the first two guys out there. He's catching passes. That's all he does is catch passes, catch passes. So I think the work ethic is there, and the speed is there. Now he just needed someone to deliver him the football the right way. And, you know, with Dalton, they never, never really had a chance to, to throw the ball downfield because the offensive line play was so bad, and, and that's not maybe Dalton's strength. But with Justin Fields, that is his strength with that big arm. So I think Darnell Mooney, I, think, I don't think that was a flash in the pan. I think he proved last year he could play. I think this year he's going to be even better. Now, Allen Robinson's interesting because, you know, he needs to step it up a little bit. I mean, he's playing on the franchise tag. He's going to get paid somewhere next year. But he, he is off to a somewhat slow start. I think a slower start than he would expect. But, yeah, there is nothing not to like about Darnell Mooney. He's the real deal. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure you're aware that the Raiders secondary is a little bit banged up right now. Got some guys who are on their injury report. So that this could be a game where uh, – those receivers uh, can really can really do some things. Now, I do think one of the biggest keys to this game, and this goes for both teams, is is which one of these offensive lines can protect their quarterback against the opposing team's pass rush. Now, both of these quarterbacks, Derek Carr and Justin Fields, they've been sacked 12 times, which is third most in the league, and both teams feature great pass rush tandems as well. I, I would imagine that Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, they've been watching the tape of that Raiders offensive line. They're kind of reeling right now, and they've been licking their chops watching the film. But what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm sure. Robert Quinn has been a great story this year. You know, he did nothing last year for the Bears, and he got $30 million guaranteed. And he was talking to us uh, after the game on Sunday. He talked to us uh, uh, on Wednesday or on Thursday at the, the Bears facility. And uh, he was very honest about it. He just wasn't in a good place mentally last year. had some stuff going on off the field that really was bothering him. He said this past offseason he got right again mentally and spiritually. And, you know, his, he had some back problems over the summer. That's really quieted down. His bend is like it was like five or six years ago. I mean, he is bringing some serious heat off the edge. And um, yeah, that's been great to see for the Bears. Uh, and that's obviously helped out Khalil Mack tremendously. He's been banged up, too. He's got a foot and a rib injury. Um, you know, he is uh, dealing with some stuff. He got hurt in Cleveland originally with that foot, and he picked up a rib problem. But even with the injuries, he's having a good year statistically, and a lot of that is because Robert Quinn on the other side has been so fierce. So, yeah, I'm sure they're, they're looking forward to it. But, again, conversely, I'm sure if you're a Raider defensive lineman, 
and you see that Bears offensive line, you say, wow, the Browns sacked Justin Fields nine times two weeks ago. Um, that has to excite them. So I'm not sure how the Bears pass protection is going to hold up. Uh, I think that could be a big problem for them this weekend. Yeah, and then and – then, um... Real quick, you, you mentioned the injury to Khalil Mack and uh, Akeem Hicks. I was looking at the injury report uh, just before we, we got on here. Uh, both of those guys did not practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. They got a couple other players here listed as well, a linebacker whose last name I don't want to even begin to try to butcher. But um, what, what are That's your ex- – That's a tough one. That's Joel – that's Joel Eway Biliway. Yes. It took me a couple years to learn. Yes, I'm not quite one. sure so if he's a starter for them, if he plays significant time. No, he's not. Okay. No, he's a well, special teamer. Well, what is the status? What's the latest you're hearing on uh, Khalil Mack? You, you um, alluded yeah. to the fact that you don't think Hicks will play, but what, what is the status you think of those two on, on, oh, on I, Sunday? I think Mack will play. I mean, can you imagine Mack missing a Raiders game? <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that. He wasn't good against them in London two years ago when everyone was in London. Um, but you know, one thing about Khalil Mack is he plays injured. He had a shoulder problem all last year. I thought that really dinged his productivity, but one thing is he was out there. You know, he, he plays through it. They try to rest him as much as they can at practice, but yeah, I don't see any way Khalil Mack misses this game. I mean, it's just too, too big for him and his old team, the Raiders, and you know, he wants to play well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing it safe with them at practice, but I think when it's game time, he'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jeff. I got one more for you before I let you run here. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, we talked about how the Bears need to stack together some wins, um, beat, beat a, a quality team here. Uh, the Raiders would be a, a good first step for them. How do you see this one playing out on Sunday? I, I don't have the Bears winning. You know, we have to make our picks for ESPN on Wednesday, I think. So by later in the week, I always forget kind of what the score was I picked. But I know I picked the Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders are probably pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Probably pretty incensed with how they played against the Chargers on Monday night. I know it's a short week, but they're coming home. And, um, you know, I think John Gruden has proven that when he plays the Bears, um, he has the edge sometimes in terms of the X's and O's. That game in London was a clinic on how to run the football. I mean, Josh Jacobs is still running uh, basically uh, that, you know, in that soccer stadium that we were all at. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see the Bears doing enough offensively, and I think the Raiders will present a lot of problems for them defensively. So I, I think in my final score, I did have the Raiders winning by a touchdown, which I know in the NFL is a lot these days, but I feel pretty confident the Bears are probably not primed to pull the upset. All right, there you heard it. Jeff, thank you so much for your time tonight. I know you got to run. you got your son's football practice to, uh, to get to, uh, but we appreciate uh, your time tonight, your insight, and uh, keep up the great work. And it's raining here, so you know I'll be cleaning his visor off every two seconds, which drives me nuts. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be going to be a long night in Chicago. But it was a pleasure being on, and, and let's uh, hope for a good game on Sunday. All right, Jeff Dickerson. was really nice to have him uh, squeeze me in there before his son's uh, football practice. He's a coach there, he told me, so uh, real nice of him to try to fit me into his busy schedule. And I think the big takeaway for me uh, from the conversation was what he told us about Justin Fields. That had been something I was a little bit curious about. You know, how often are they going to want that young quarterback, you know, running? And I know he's a mobile guy. We all know that. He's very athletic. I believe he ran a 4-4 at his, at his pro day. But uh, Jeff says he does expect 8-10 to 10 design runs for fields to try to supplement the loss of David Montgomery. So that's something you're definitely going to want to keep an eye on. Um, And then the other little nugget that he gave us there was that he does not believe Akeem Hicks will play. 
uh, dealing with the groin injury. So that's going to be a pretty big loss for the Bears defensive front if uh, Hicks in, indeed is out for the game. Um, but I do think the Raiders, I think the Raiders will get the win this week. It's going to be more of a defensive game in my opinion, but I do see the Raiders getting the job done with a 24-17 win. Okay, everyone, that is going to do it for this week. Thanks again to our guest, Jeff Dickerson. Until the next time, everyone, I am Evan Grote. Enjoy your weekend, and as always, just win, baby.